Hey, I was watching a, an interview uh, between Dave Rubin, and if you don't know who he is, um, I don't know how to explain it to you. He used to be one of the Young Turks, which were uh, uber-progressive people online that, that just hammered on conservatives, that kind of thing. Dave Rubin had an, an awakening, and he's now a libertarian. Uh, he had an awakening because he had a, a conversation with a guy named Larry Elder. Larry Elder is a, uh, is a conservative commentator, but he's also of a minority race. And Dave Rubin was talking to him about systemic racism. And, and Larry just kind of get, well, show me, show me. And, and I'm not trying to make a political commentary. I just want to tell you, I, I love ideas, and I love to listen to people that have differing ideas than I do. And I saw this Dave Rubin, who is an avowed atheist, having a one-hour interview with Ravi Zacharias, who is probably one of the greatest theological minds and uh, apologists for the Christian faith. He, he engages with the neo-atheists on an intellectual level that just staggers me. So Dave Rubin is having this peaceful, dignified, respectful, mutual back-and-forth conversation with Ravi Zacharias. And one of the things that Dave Rubin said <clears throat> was... Um, you know, everyone's, we're, we're all concentrated on so much that's wrong, so much that's wrong. And I've, I'm guilty of this too. That if you look at the TV and you see, all, it's, everything just looks like it's the worst time in the world to live. I was talking to a young man at 25 this week and, hey, are you ever, do you ever think you'll have, get married and have kids or something like that? And he goes, I don't know if I want to bring a kid into this world. So we see all this negative. And, and, and Dave Rubin said to Ravi Zacharias, and the reason I'm leading up to this, because I think this, this, this illustration that Ravi gives is just phenomenal. But Dave Rubin goes, if you look statistically, honestly, across the globe. There has never been a safer time to live on planet Earth. There has never been less war ever on planet Earth. There has never been less disease and famine and, and, and uh, pandemics ever than I, at this time on planet Earth, never. There's never been more prosperity and more people coming out of poverty into middle class or into a sustainable lifestyle ever on the face. This is an atheist libertarian telling Ravi Zacharias that things are pretty good. If we would look at the, at the, if we would look and not just see the things that distract us and the things that make us afraid. And he said, so don't you think that happiness, the happiness quotient in the world is kind of up? And here's what Ravi said. He goes, and he has this really cool Indian accent that I can't do. Um, but he, he, he said, I, I, it makes me think of an old proverb. Okay. It's not from scripture, but he says, if you walk toward the light, the shadow will follow. And the shadow being prosperity and happiness. So if you walk toward, and he says, as Christians, we believe that God is light. God is the light. So if you walk toward the light, these good things follow. But if you turn to chase the shadow, if you're chasing after prosperity, or you're chasing after happiness, or you're chasing after love, or you're chasing after whatever these other things are, you never catch them, but things get darker and darker, and the shadows get longer and longer. And I thought, what a great way to communicate what the scriptures tell us, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, to, to, to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What is the race marked out for us? Running toward Jesus as he runs toward us. It, it's just a phenomenal way of looking at it. And, and I thought, all right, I liked it. It didn't make me well up with tears or anything, but it made me go, that's thoughtful. And then I started researching gratitude. And I, I mean, honestly, folks, I picked this Lamentations passage because I know of people like Kurt and Tina and their family. I know there's lots of you here that holidays are tough. And so I just want to, not, not, just, not just say, look, I get it. Because I, I, I don't want to trivialize your pain. 
Um, but the, there, it's very difficult to preach a Thanksgiving message out of Job or Lamentations. But there's a section in this passage that just blows my mind. I'm sure you're aware of it. It's not anything new. There's songs written about it. It's a wonderful, glorious thing. But I picked a passage late last week, and then I thought, okay, I need a, I need a story. I need an illustration. Or something. I started reading and watching and reading and watching. And I came across a video on Right Now, right now Media that has blown my mind. And I'm not gonna reproduce it. I'm not gonna put it up there for you today, but it is in my, if you go on Right Now Media and you look at, uh, go to Community Reform, you look at Trent Walker or Pastor Trent's favorites, there's two for me because one I filled up, it's the one that's all alone. It's a seven or eight minute video, blew my mind because the brain science says what we're gonna talk about today, God's had it right all along and we're just figuring it out. So let me tell you a little bit about Lamentations here. Um, Most likely, almost certainly, Jeremiah is the author of the book of Lamentations. And Lamentations was written about 560 to 570, maybe as late as 586 BC. So Jeremiah was an eyewitness to the destruction of Jerusalem, and they tore it, tumbled everything, destroyed the temple, killed the elders, killed fathers, killed children the, the, when, the, when the Babylonians came in. And God had told them ahead of time, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. But that was his way of saying, it's gonna get bad, but I know what I'm gonna do. But Jeremiah, his man, his, his prophet, his, speech, his mouthpiece, he sees and he's walking around alone in Jerusalem and he sees the destruction and he is just crying out. And if you read, and I encourage you to do it, read the book of Lamentations. It's not very long, but oh, is it harsh and hard. And this guy's entire way of life, gone. His faith and the ritualistic worship that they had, everything that the whole community wrapped around, gone. And they've been promised that they will be in captivity for decades and decades and decades. And somehow, some way in the midst of that, this is what... Jeremiah says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, we look around and we see things are pretty bad. There are individual things that are very bad. And and, and there are, political discourse is really bad. There's violence in schools. I just uh, read an article this week about in Oregon, teachers are quitting because kids are beating on each other and they're not allowed to do anything about it. It's awful. Um, 1956, they did a survey and one of the biggest problems with behavior in schools was chewing gum in class. Now it's knives and guns and people abusing teachers and other students. It's unbelievable. But it's still one of the safest times on our planet to live. We've had nothing like Jeremiah had. Everything he knows is gone. And he's able to say, and yet I call this to mind. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. There's something there that I think we miss. I know I have until just this week. He's practicing 
what God says is God's will. That passage that Kurt just prayed a moment ago, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, be thankful in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be thankful in everything for this. Who doesn't wanna know what God's will is? Well, Paul just told us. He says, pray continually, rejoice, and be thankful in all circumstances, in everything, because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, we're told, the other passage that he taught from, from Philippians, from Philippians, it says that, that, that don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request be known to God, and the, and the peace of Christ that, that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then, and then the passage we talked about last week, it says, whatever's good, whatever's right, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What's our attention? God is asking his people to pay attention to God, to walk toward the light, pursue the light, run the race with perseverance, to look at what God is doing, what God wants, and to do what God says. And the beauty of scripture, is, and I spent the day, much of the day today looking through and seeing if this, if this, if this idea gets flipped around ever in scripture, and it doesn't. At least I haven't found it yet. We will not get joy until we're grateful. And sometimes in our comfortable Midwestern American life, we're like, okay, yeah, I'll be grateful or I'll show gratitude or I'll be thankful when things are better. But things don't get better if you're chasing the things that you want to make it better because you're walking away from the light. Things get better when you actually pursue what God wants. And he says, be thankful no matter what. It doesn't say be thankful for everything. It says be thankful in everything, in every situation. The beauty of this, the brain science backs this up. They did an entire, an entire um, uh, study with, th- I, think it was, I think that book is a thousand, a thousand gifts, but they like a small town, a town of 400-something thousand people. And, and they, they called together this group of people and they, anyone who wanted to participate, and we're gonna try this experiment for a year. We're gonna ask you every day to find three things to be thankful for and write them down. And people did it. And everything in that town changed. People that were gonna commit suicide didn't. A woman that was gonna abort her child didn't. Moms were reconciled with children, brothers and sisters. It's unthinkable. And the brain science says that you have a 25% better chance. Those who practice gratitude daily, their well-being physically, emotionally, mental health, the whole deal is 25% better. We're also told that men are squeamish. It makes them nervous when we start talking about gratitude, but they actually benefit more than women do when they start to practice it. It's funny that the, the, the social science is, 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 is learning what God has been telling us. Jeremiah, in the midst of everything, he goes, yep, 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 but what does God tell me to do? I'm gonna praise God and be thankful. I call this to mind. Be thankful in every situation. This is God's will. Now, what do you see on the screen? Those of you who have um, cataracts, you might not be able to see it. If you have glasses and you don't have mine, you might not be able to see it. But if you look and you concentrate in the middle of that screen, what do you see? A dot. Anything else? Look close. What? Green square? You, 
Okay. I was gonna say that, that brain surgery you had last week might have changed something we didn't know about. There is a green rectangle up there. Anything else? You have a big white screen and what you see is the dot. It's what I see too. And when I look around in my life and something goes wrong, when I look around in my life and something doesn't go the way I want it to, I concentrate on the dot. I concentrate on the negative. I, so there's a lot of screen up there. There's a lot of individual LED bulbs up there. And I think four or maybe six, maybe 10 of them, because they're separated by like three millimeters, 10 of them are, are, are make a black dot. All the rest of that screen is white. If you're standing on the dot, you can't see anything black. All you can see is white. If that's a sheet of paper sitting down here and you're standing in the dot, you can look down at it and your focus is on that thing. But if you look up everywhere you look, is good. God says, yes, there will be trouble, all kinds of trouble. In this world, there will be trouble, but take heart I've overcome the world. We will suffer. Paul was called to suffering. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Job was sitting with boils and lost his family, and, but he still ends up praising God in the midst of his suffering. Jeremiah lost every, everything, and he still says, I'm gonna call this to mind. God is good. The book of Lamentations, you know what the, the, Jewish, the Jewish people call it? Hecha. How? How can this be the first word in the first chapter, the first word in the second chapter, and the first word in the last chapter is heka? How? It's how can this be? How could we have let this happen? How did, why, why is it that God did not rescue us? Well, now I think about it, this is why, because we behave this way. We deserve what we got, da 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 He goes on and on and on. But in the middle of that, he goes, but God's good, God's faithful, and I thank him for not letting us be consumed. When we look at things, we often remember my life is defined primarily. The things I've grown for, the things that have hurt me the most are the things that have defined me the most. Injuries, betrayals, split up family. But if I look back today and I go, okay, but what came out of all those things? If I concentrate on the shoulders dislocating, then I cringe. I can't watch a shoulder dislocate on TV when the sport, you know, when they, a picture in slow-mo and I'm like, ah, because mine would come out of joint doing that. I, I, I get squeamish. But if I think about where my life would have gone if that hadn't happened, I didn't have those surgeries. If I think about what happened in the van accident that flipped over, um, I remember how bad it was that I lost the use of my arm, but I never would know my children if three people, one named Scott, and then there was a Calvin College um, nursing student and a Hope College nursing student that happened to be going spring break on I-65 near Rensselaer, Indiana. They were on their way down. They stopped. The traffic backed up on both sides because the van had flipped over in the middle and cars were stopped. They walked up and they, they stepped in and helped. My children would not exist if those three people didn't do that. And only one of them have I ever thanked. Think back just for a moment in your life, the people that have made some kind of contribution to you a cadet leader, a gems leader, a Sunday school teacher, fourth grade teacher, fourth grade's when kind of your cognitive development starts to change in such a way that you start understanding abstract thought, someone who encouraged that to come along, someone who sat down with you and taught you how to read so you don't stumble over the words. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a grandparent, maybe it's a coach, I don't know, maybe youth group leader, young life leader, doesn't matter. Is there someone who believed in you when you didn't believe in you? Why? Because you matter. 
do they not deserve your thanks? Does God not deserve your thanks? Of course he does. But so often, when we're in our everyday lives, in our certain circumstances, we have this idea that we can see things quickly and sum them up. We look at people, people on the television screen. If, I, if you describe to me who Dave Rubin was, he's probably not a guy I wanna listen to very often because he was angry, but he's not now. So I like to hear what he has to say. I don't believe and agree with everything he has to say, but he's, but he's respectful. And I loved people who are willing to have a dialogue and be respectful. But I'm gonna challenge you with something. I'm gonna give you one more video, or visual illustration. I don't do this very often because I'm always afraid that I'll get out of order and I'll skip one and someone worked on it to put it up there. It's here and I'm not gonna skip it. I'm gonna, another puzzle. I'm a, I'm a, I like riddles. The BBS kids know this. Um, I'm gonna ask you to think of the person that bothers you the most. Don't look at him. And if it's me, don't look at me. Right now, it's you, Walker. Think of the person that bothers you the most and think about why. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Do you ever see beyond that? I'll give you an example. I have, I have a neighbor on one side of me, a neighbor on the other side. If, if they're both great guys, like them very much, get along with them just fine. But if one of them became a friend and he was always complaining about his boss, He's selfish, he's rude, he's, he's, he's mean. He, doesn't, he says that he's got our, our pension fund all fully, but I know better, he doesn't even, and he's gotta pay it back and if someone's gonna retire and they're not gonna have their money and I think it's illegal and blah, blah. And so I'm listening as a friend and I start developing this idea about this guy. Okay, so two years goes by and I'm hearing this, hearing this, hearing this, and then his boss moves into the other side of me. <laughs> Didn't happen, I'm just using it as an illustration, okay? You think that guy's gonna be my friend? No, it's called expectational bias. I will be biased against him because I'm this guy's friend and this guy tells me what kind of guy that is. Without ever meeting him, without ever knowing him, I already know that guy, no way. So I sum him up quickly without not knowing a thing. We do this with circumstances. We do this with people. We even do this with God's will. So I'm gonna ask you how many squares you see on the screen. Okay, now think, go one more. Go around the big one, 17, right? Okay, now wait, two by two, go. You getting there? Okay, there's more, one more. 30 squares. But when you look right at it, you go 16, oh, I'm not gonna be fooled, 17, right? There's 30. Any difficulty you face, if you only focus on the center point of that of that segment of squares. If you're in that matrix, if you're only in the middle, you're not seeing all the other complexities. His, his mercies are new every morning, not just good mornings, every morning. When you meet a person who bugs the tar out of you and they just frustrate you and they're always saying the same thing or they're always complaining, they're always this, 16 squares. But God made them and God loves them. He adores them. And his mercies are new every morning for them too. So the next time things stink, try to practice what Jeremiah does. Jeremiah sees everything that's wrong. He sees 16 squares. And then he says, I remember it, all my afflictions, my bitterness, and I well remember them. And my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope.
because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. But his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. God is great and faithful. I'm gonna try this best I can for a year. I'm gonna try every day to find three things that I am grateful for. And the brain science and the sociological science, the, the, the social sciences, tell me that I will begin to experience joy in ways I never have because I'm first grateful. There's another, another school of thought that says the key to unhappiness is ingratitude. Have you ever met someone who's unhappy that's grateful? I know how simplistic this sounds, but scripture backs it up. God's desire is for us to be thankful, to thank him and to thank others. And if we're thankful first, the other things follow. If we chase the things that we want to have, we'll never get them. If you walk toward the light, the shadows will follow. If you chase the shadows, you're further from the light. Don't look at the dot all the time. Stand on the dot, own the dot, feel the dot, and then look up and see all the different ways, all the different reasons, all the different people who bring you joy, who you can be thankful for. And even that person that's 16 squares that moves in next door, how does God see him? Find a way to be grateful for that person and see if it doesn't change your life. I expect it to change mine. And I hope that it, it bleeds into more and more messages, more and more things, that gratitude in our hearts to God and gratitude in our hearts toward others changes not just others, and it doesn't change God, it changes us. I'm gonna leave you with this passage that you're very familiar with. Sorry, I just lost, my bookmark fell out a second ago. I'm gonna change one word several times. God is patient, God is kind, he doesn't envy, he doesn't boast. God's not proud, he's not rude. He's not self-seeking. God is not easily angered and he keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, he always trusts, he always hopes, he always perseveres. God never fails. We can be thankful for that if we believe it. And if we trust that God knows better than we do, and he says, first be thankful, then the other things. He says, rejoice in your trials. He doesn't say rejoice for them. But I can tell you this, when I look back, there's only one of those negative experiences in my life that I would change if I could. And it was sin on my own part. I would go through every one of them again because after going through them, I can look back and see that God's faithfulness, I can see his faithfulness, I can see his rescue, I can see his mercies, and I can see what, what fruit he produced out of it. And for that, I'm grateful. And if I didn't have those experiences, 
I might not have the gratitude for the fruit that came from them. So I want you to know two more things. These are, these are quick. I just want to reassure you. I do not want to trivialize your pain because I don't believe God will waste it. God will not waste your pain. And one of the ways to change your heart in it is to look for what to be thankful for and thank him in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for seeing all 30 squares when you look at us. Thank you for knowing who you made us to be, not just who we see, how we see ourselves. Help us have your eyes for ourselves and help us trust your way for ourselves to first be thankful and then you will bring joy instead of waiting to be joyous before we're thankful. Lord, give us the opportunity to bless others as you've blessed us and to bless you by blessing others. Give us the courage to seek your will in our lives today and tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father, amen.